back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to be hanging out with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. I'm here with the man, the myth, the legend of fantasy football and so much more, Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com. The fantasy football books are on display folks they're out there for you they are ready we are ready we've been talking about this thing for a very long time every single week leading up to the season we have spent our time on division by division afc east afc south afc west afc north nfc east we are now on to the nfc west and then we'll have a couple more to go after this to let you know each team their breakdown fantasy value of Every division, all four teams in the division, week by week, to get you set for your upcoming draft. If you'd like to be a part of the Wake Up Call Fantasy Challenge, which would be crazy not to, it's free and easy to do, and you can join us by going to Fantasy Football DT for Dan Tortora at gmail.com and sending an email saying, I'm in. Our league down in Florida is pretty much set, as it always is. It's our eighth year down there. And as far as the Syracuse leagues go, we've capped out three of them. We have space for the fourth one is, is kind of how this works out at this point. So we do have number, League 1, League 2 are done. League 3, I think, has one spot. And then League 4 is currently open right now. So if you'd like to join the Wake Up Call Fantasy Football Challenge at the Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, then you have to send an email to fantasyfootballdt at gmail.com saying I'm in or replying to any of our social media on Facebook at WakeUpCallDT, Twitter at CallDT, and Instagram at WakeUpCall underscore DT, and we will get you set up and locked in to the Fantasy Football Challenge. With that being said, this this show, this part of the show, is brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub, the Fantasy Football Power Hour, and we are jumping in, like I said, to the Arizona Cardinals, Seattle Seahawks, Los Angeles Rams, and San Francisco 49ers of the NFC West today. Get your notepad out and get it ready for Mike Sofka and myself to help you plan for your draft. Mike, how are we doing today? Awesome. How are you doing? Doing very well. And, and, and Mike, I, I want to jump right into this with the Seattle Seahawks, and we're going to start with the quarterbacks as we always do. We have Russell Wilson. Behind Russell, we have Austin Davis, who was a free agent from Denver last year, and then we have Alex McGough, who was drafted in the seventh round out of FIU, Butch Davis's team. So pretty much it's Russell Wilson and guys that people don't know. So what are your thoughts on this? I mean, it's Russell Wilson or bust, but that's how Seattle's been for a long time, and knock on wood, thank God, Russell Wilson's been pretty healthy. Yeah, Russell Wilson's Seattle. Russell Wilson is the Seahawk offense. Russell Wilson's the man, you know, uh, in, in our fantasy league here, you know, with the team quarterback, if he goes down, you're okay, but I don't know if you're really okay, because I don't know if I'm confident in any of those other guys, but, you know, Russell Wilson can do it all. He can he can scramble. He can, he can just outright throw the ball country mile. He's my number two ranked quarterback as far as quarterbacks go. You know, whether you're in a four-point or six-point passing league, I really don't think it matters because Russell Wilson is the Seattle offense. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing. I mean, Russell Wilson is the guy that people have been able to, you know, lean on. If you're going to draft anybody from Seattle, that's who you're drafting. Outside of that, I, I wouldn't recommend it in past years. So this is, he. you know, you're right. He is Seattle. 
he is the guy that's that you're leaning on. He is the one that people are picking up because without him, I mean, there really isn't a lot to say about what Seattle's been recently here. So, you know, Russell Wilson, he does get you points. He's not prolific. He's not crazy on this because I don't think he's had a ton of weapons, but we'll discuss what he can be now because we're going to head into the running backs for fantasy football on the Seahawks. Rashad Penny, who they drafted in the first round, 27th overall, which is a nice way of saying you'll probably start. Chris Carson, who started off well and then sputtered out due to injury. J.D. McKissick, who had to play at certain points late in the season. C.J. Procise, who hasn't done much of anything. And Mike Davis. What are your thoughts on the backfield fantasy-wise for the Seattle Seahawks? Well, every one of these guys, with the exception of Chris Carson, was talked about to be the guy. Ooh, wait for this guy. Wait for C.J. Procise. Wait till we take this guy who's a running back who's really a receiver, who we're going to line up in the slot, and yet we're going to classify him as a running back And C.J. Procise. Oh, and by the way, he's going to be hurt a bunch, and we're not going to get to see very much of him. Oh, where do you see J.D. McKissick? J.D. McKissick is C.J. Procise done right. Where do you see that? Well, I haven't seen him. Chris Carson. Man, Chris Carson looked great. Chris Carson looked really good when he got his chance until he got injured. And then he looked bad because he was injured, so he was done. And then Mike Davis. Mike Davis comes back in from, I don't know where he was, but he looked good when he got the ball. And then they go out and they draft Rashad Penny, and Rashad Penny is supposed to be the next guy. Yeah, look out for Rashad Penny. This has committee bust and problems written all over it. Everybody is super high on Rashad Penny. I'm more of a wait-and-see approach based on preseason. But at the same time, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's more of a 50-50 split with Rashad Penny and Chris Carson. I think Chris Carson was the guy. I think Rashad Penny fell to them, so they felt obligated to take him because they had been so challenged at running back. You know, er, Ever since a certain guy in Marshawn Lynch left, they've been kind of challenged at running back. So... You know, I think Rashad Penny is going to get his fair share. He's going to have an opportunity to play. I don't think things are going to be given to him there. I think he's going to have to earn them. And I think Chris Carson is in his way from him earning this full number one running back spot in Seattle. Yeah, you know, and that's that's the thing with Chris Carson is that, you know, I, I do believe that he had something going, but, you know, injuries held him down and he wasn't, able to move forward with that. I think Chris Carson was setting up to be something inside of the Seattle Seahawks backfield, but ultimately, you know, he didn't stay healthy. And when you don't stay healthy, you know, things are going to happen. So for him, you know, Janie McKissick, this is not somebody that I'm concerned about. You know, if somebody else drafts him, CJ Procise has never panned out from Notre Dame. And so Rashad Penny, you're right. He's supposed to be the next guy. But we heard that about CJ, and we heard that about Chris Carson, J.D. McKissick, and yada, 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 and Thomas Rawls, and so on and so forth. So I would not draft one of these guys to be your number one, even your number two. Maybe your flex guy, maybe it's your third running back you take off. But Rashad Penny, if somebody drafts him high, let him take him. Chris Carson, he'll be available somewhere in the middle of your draft probably, and he's worth the pickup. It's just that's not the person that you put all your eggs in the basket. If somebody starts taking rookie running backs, you don't rush to Rashad Penny. Go take a veteran that you can trust in. Wide receivers, Doug Baldwin, who's their number one guy, has been their number one guy. Tyler Lockett, who's still in the mix there out of Kansas State. Brandon Marshall from Central Florida, good old Orlando area. He's a free agent from the Giants. 
played for them for about a half a second before he got hurt last year. So we don't know what he could do at this point in his career because he didn't really play last year. So Baldwin, Marshall, Lockett, and then after that, Jerron Brown, who came over from Arizona. And then there's a bunch of other players outside of this. David Moore, who was drafted out of East Central in 2017. Amara Darbo, who was drafted in 2017. Cyril Grayson, who was a free agent in 2017. They made a trade with Philadelphia for Marcus Johnson. But really, the the names are Jerron Brown, Tyler Lockett, Brandon Marshall, and Doug Baldwin. They never sensationalize. Seattle never makes me go, wow, when I look at their roster of wide receivers. But what are your thoughts on what Russell Wilson can do with these guys? Yeah, you know, I think the one guy that gets the most attention is Doug Baldwin. I think Doug Baldwin gets the attention because he's the guy that's been most reliable, most faithful. He's the guy that they know is going to be there. So, I, you know, I have Doug Baldwin ranked at the bottom end of my wide receiver ones at number 12. I like Tyler Lockett in the essence that he could be like a number three, number four receiver on your team. He always seems to come up with the big play at the right time. I like that in a guy. Some injuries have gotten in the way in the past, but I think this is a young guy who's continued to develop, and he has number one receiver one day written all over him if he continues to progress. Brandon Marshall in the twilight of his career, not sure if he's going to make the team. If he does make the team, he's going to be a danger in the red zone. Don't forget, they, you know, Jimmy Graham's not there anymore. They don't have a big-handed, big, tall target they can throw toward that back pylon in the end zone, and that's probably what Brandon Marshall's going to end up doing. Amara Dobar, Dobar, <laughs> Darbo, excuse me, <laughs> he, he, um, He's a guy that's been on my radar for a little while in Dynasty Leagues. He should start to see more action. He did develop a little bit last year, but I think there's going to be more pressure on him to develop with the crowded backfield now that they brought in a Jerron Brown and a Marcus Johnson as well. So I think that uh, there's some opportunity there. There's some deep opportunity. I wouldn't reach for Brandon Marshall. Uh, and I, I think Tyler Lockett's a three or four guy. Brandon Marshall might be a four or five wide receiver for you. And uh, Darbo might be a four or five wide receiver with a tremendous upside. So if you're in a keeper league, you want to look at him. But Doug Baldwin's where all the value is in wide receiver for Seattle. Yeah, and, and when it comes to Seattle, as far as the value of their wide receivers, I don't put them too high. It, it kind of makes me lower the – not kind of, it does make me lower the value of what I think of what Russell Wilson – can do as far as fantasy goes just because there's not a lot of guys on the receiving core that that I want to I want to put my you know eggs in that basket I want to I want to trust that that's going to be the guy that's going to get me points I don't rely on Seattle's team to get me touchdowns and to save you know to save my game or save my season and and so on and so forth you know there's there there's nobody that wows me in Seattle. So as far as I go, Doug Baldwin, yeah, if he falls to you, like you said, he's a low-end number one. Not bad, but Seattle just – I give Russell Wilson credit because he can throw touchdown passes to these guys and he can move the ball. But, you know, when you don't have superstars out there or even guys that, to me, are above average or well above average – then, you know, it makes it difficult in fantasy for me to say, yeah, you know what, go after these guys and and, and know that they're going to get you some points. And then when we go to tight end, it's the same type of feel, but worse, Ed Dixon, Nick Vanette, Will Disley, Tyrone Swoops. 
Thoughts on that? Uh, no thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what to say here. You know, Ed Dixon has the most immediate opportunity. He's the veteran of the bunch. Nick Vanette, you know, we'll see what happens there. And we'll just leave. the jury's going to be out for a little bit. So, uh, Nothing really to report there. I, I wouldn't be in a hurry to get a Seattle tight end on my roster anytime soon. Yeah, and, and that's funny. We just got a question that came in from Johnny. Uh, the Seattle offense, now that they drafted Rashad Penny in the first round, do you think they're going to lean toward the run a little bit more? You know, I, I think they're I think they're going to try the run. I mean, they they always try the run. But it doesn't it doesn't really amount to anything recently here. So I think I think that they'll at least try to see where it goes to help out Russell Wilson, but it's a big try. You know, as as Mike said, Rashad Penny is the next guy for Seattle to tell us, Oh my god, you can't wait to see this guy. He's gonna be phenomenal. Well, you know, we'll see it when we see it type of feel is how I look at this thing as we move forward. So speaking here with Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com inside of the Fantasy Football Power Hour on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora every Thursday from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, proudly presented by the Wildcat Sports Pub. I thought it was really funny that I, I kind of pictured you and I, Mike, at, at a table at like the United Nations, and they put out a discussion and they and they... <laughs> They say, Mr. Sofka, Mr. Totora, any thoughts? And we lean into the mic and no thoughts. Thank you. It's kind of like when, when you're in when you're in trial and and it's like, would you, would the prosecution like to like to, you know, address the witness? No, your honor. We rest. You know, it's, that's how it feels. It, it literally felt like you leaned into a mic and said, no thoughts. Time to recess for lunch. Thank you. Nice. I mean, that's where we're at. I mean, I, again. Seattle doesn't wow me anywhere. I'm hoping Rashad Penny is a wow factor because nothing in Seattle wows me. It just doesn't. So as far as drafting, I stay away from it. Unless I have to look there, and hopefully I've drafted smart enough that I don't have to look there. The San Francisco 49ers will head over to them now inside of the NFC West. Jimmy Garoppolo, who gets paid more than Tom Brady, who he used to back up, C.J. Beathard's on the team as well. He was drafted last year, and Nick Mullins was drafted, pardon me, undrafted free agent. So we have Jimmy Garoppolo, the young gun, and behind him we have 2017 newbies to the NFL. What are your thoughts on Jimmy G's era in San Fran? I know we know he finished strong. They were 1-9 in the beginning of the season. They had beaten only the Giants, and then from there, I believe he finished the season 6-0. and So what are your thoughts on Jimmy G's run with San Fran? Yeah, I got Jimmy G ranked as a bottom-end QB1. He's the number 11 quarterback on my list. I, I, You know what? I think somebody in some draft you're going to be in is going to draft him higher than that, too. They're going to they're gonna be all in on him, and, and that's okay. You know, I, I think I got him relatively high where he is based on his performance. I mean, this has... The the I I don't even know how to say it. Back in the day, there's been some quarterbacks that have parlayed six and eight game stints into big contracts. There's guys and names are escaping me. I can remember a guy with the Lions. I can remember a guy with Miami. I can remember Rob Johnson with Buffalo, and then then going to Jacksonville. I can remember a bunch of guys that played a handful of games and parlayed that into a big contract, and then. Well, that was it. They weren't heard from again, and 
waned off. I don't think that's Garoppolo. I, I remember him coming out of, uh, I think he's Eastern Illinois, if I'm not mistaken. I, I, I can remember thinking that the Jaguars were going to draft him before they drafted Bortles. I thought Garoppolo would have been a steal like in the second round or so. I thought he was the most polished and the most NFL-ready guy. And then going into into New England, the evil empire there, getting to see the inner workings of the Death Star, he knows how to win. He knows how to get things done. So for his sake, I hope he can continue to parlay that success. But, you know, you might want to just temper your expectations a bit. He is still a real young quarterback, has yet to play an entire full season slate on his own as a starter. But you can't argue with what he was able to get done once he went to San Fran. And you can't argue about his success. He had that short stint in New England. I think the biggest thing he has going for him is they beefed up the running attack. They drafted some receivers. And they beefed up the offensive line by drafting Mike McGlinchey, number nine overall. So I think there's a tremendous opportunity for him to continue to grow and develop. It just You can't expect him to go out and win the Super Bowl this year. And, of course, now that I said that, that's exactly what he's probably going to do. <laughs> yeah, I think Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, this is a guy that, that people are going to be excited to draft. I think on draft day for the Wake Up Call Fantasy Football Challenge, for the one we have down in Florida and the four that we're going to have here in, in central New York, I know that people are going to be excited on this draft day, like young general managers saying, this guy could be my ticket to being one of those smart, smart owners of a team. And Jimmy G, you know, do you take him with the first pick? Obviously not. Do you take him at the top of the second round? Probably not. But, you know, he is a guy that that you would want to have on your roster. He's a little, he's, you know, he's kind of the wild card right now. And it's exciting for me. So I think Jimmy G could, I could definitely welcome him onto my team and, and give him a shout and then put him onto the roster. I think some people might draft him high. I think some Patriots fans might even draft him high. But when it, you know, the Niners fans are, are dusting off the jerseys and the hats and the foam fingers and they're coming out again and they're saying, should we go to Candlestick Park? And everybody's got to remind them it's not there anymore. So I think Jimmy G, you know, he is, he is worth the pick. I don't see him as, as your starting quarterback yet, but he very well could make his way there. So picking up Jimmy Garoppolo, not a bad bet for you. Now at running back, this is where I scratch my head a little bit, Mr. Mike Sofka. So I, I love that. Johnny said Jimmy G equals insurance. And I would agree with that. You would agree with that too, right? Nice insurance policy on your fantasy team? Yeah, I, I would be comfortable with that. Okay, fair enough. Running backs. This is where I. This is where, like I said, I'm scratching my head, and, and and maybe Mike, you can you can help me a little bit with this because I'm having some trouble. Jarek McKinnon has had a sprinkle of good games over the last few years in Minnesota. He's in San Fran now. Matt Breda, nah, undrafted free agent out of Georgia Southern. He had a couple moments because he had to because Joe Williams, who I thought might have done something, drafted in the fir- fourth round of the 2017 draft out of Utah, I was like, okay, you know what? Maybe, just maybe, Joe Williams is going to be that little sleeper wide receiver, uh, running back, and he got hurt. So we didn't get to see much of anything of Joe. Matt Breda had to play because Joe wasn't out there, and now Jarek McKinnon's on the team. I think they'll be throwing the ball a lot with Jimmy Garoppolo, but what do you see out of this running back core? Does anybody strike you as, as a nice draftable commodity or no? Yeah, absolutely. I think Jarek McKinnon, I think he's a solid RB2, and if you're in a PPR league, 
He could even sneak into the bottom end of an RB1 situation. They're going to throw the ball a lot, and a lot of that throwing is going to be to the running back, and that's what Jarek McKinnon was able to do at Minnesota. They've identified that. He's going to be my breakthrough player of the year, my sleeper of the year, my dark horse of the year, whatever you want to call it. This is a guy who, if you're in the know, you know. And if you're not, well, you're going to hear it now because this is a guy you need to roster. There's going to be somebody that's going to overdraft him, and if he goes before he comes to you, don't sweat it. No big deal. But let me tell you something. If you have the opportunity to draft the Jarek McKinnon as your RB2 in a PPR league, you might as well go ahead and pencil yourself in for the playoffs because that's a savvy move. That's a great move. I don't think they would have brought him in if they had full confidence in Matt Breida. Matt Breida was the was the flavor of the week for a minute there back in the beginning of, of 17. But, you know, again, they wouldn't bring in a McKinnon if they were totally satisfied there. Jeremy McNichols hasn't done anything since college, and Joe Williams has had his opportunities. Those guys are going to be around. They're going to participate. But Jarek McKinnon is the guy. He's going to be the sole guy. They wouldn't have let uh, – um, uh, what the heck's his name? Uh, Carlos Hyde walk and not bring somebody else in. That's why Jarrett McKinnon is there. Feel confident in drafting Jarrett McKinnon. Yeah, I mean, seven touchdowns in four seasons. That's that's where that's where I look at seven rush, seven rushing touchdowns in in four seasons. Now he does have five receiving, so he's got twelve in four seasons, which averages out to three a season. I will say this about Jarrett McKinnon: he doesn't fumble the ball. He's fumbled twice in four years. Twice in four years, and over the amount of games that he's played, when we add them all up here and do the fun math for all of you at home and wherever you're listening, in 58 games, he's had two fumbles. Now, he's lost them both, but he's only fumbled twice in 58 games. You multiply 58 games by four quarters, and it makes it even more of a drastically impressive number that if he has only fumbled two times in 58 games over four quarters in 232 quarters. He's fumbled twice in 232 quarters. Very, very good numbers as far as protecting the football. So I will give him that. He protects the football and he will get you some yardage. He got himself very, very close to a thousand yards in 2017-18 with 570 on the ground, 421 receiving, ended his season with 991 yards. So, Mike, you have a point there. I look at Jarek McKinnon and I say, strictly a running back, I'm not impressed. And maybe I should have specified that a little bit because you helped clarify what he can do outside of the backfield. But I don't like him as a strict runner. But, yes, as a guy who can do both and as a guy who doesn't fumble the ball, he's not bad to pick up. I have had him on my team before. He's not He's not flashy, gets you a ton of points, but... He's also with Jimmy G right now, and when you have a new quarterback, like I said, every quarterback has their guy or their guys, so this could be a good day for Jarek McKinnon. Joe Williams, I don't know. He could be gone before he even started, so I'm I'm not looking at him and saying draft him. I'm keeping an eye on him as a sleeper, but I don't know where he's going to end up. As far as Jarek McKinnon goes, I'm not a big fan of him as a running back, strictly running the ball, but he does protect it, and he does catch it. And there's not a lot of there's not a ton of guys that can catch the ball and run the ball efficiently, or else Jarek McKinnon would be an afterthought if there were so many. Receiving wise for San Fran, Pierre Garcon still there, Marquise Goodwin, Trent Taylor, 
Dante Pettis, Eldrick Robinson, Victor Bolden, Kendrick Bourne, Max McCaffrey, who is from the lineage of Ed McCaffrey, who played for the Denver Broncos, Richie James, and Aaron Burbridge. So we're talking about Burbridge is a 2016 draft pick. Richie James is a seventh round 2018 draft pick. Dante Pettis is out of Washington, second round, 44th overall this year, drafted in 2018. So I'd venture to say they're going to work him in. Practice squad, Max McCaffrey, two undrafteds in 2017 and born in Bolden. Eldrick Robinson came from SMU as a free agent from the Atlanta Falcons. Trent Taylor was drafted in the fifth round in 2017, so he's a young cat. And then Goodwin and Pierre Garçon were two free agents in 2017. So nobody on this roster as a receiver was put on this team before 2016. And the overwhelming majority were either put on the roster last year or put on the roster over the summer here and over the spring. So this is a very, very, very young group that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be overseeing. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, it's a, it's a young group, but it's a promising group statistics-wise. I mean, if you look at the numbers on these guys, you know, this is a team that, well, I think they got a lot of, lot of faith in what's going to happen with their receivers. I think they got a lot of faith in what happens with Dante Pettis. Now, Dante Pettis is a peculiar choice. He's the one flashy guy in the draft. I mean, they drafted a lot of defense, and they went offensive tackle with McGlinchey, but I think they did wonders for their team. So they didn't have real sexy draft by drafting linebackers and safeties and DBs and defensive ends and defensive tackles. But they did that to make the team better. And they've already made the team better leaps and bounds wise when they took Dante Pettis. You add him with Pierre Garcon and Mar- Marquise Goodwin. And, you know, they're a young core, but with that young quarterback and with that young running game, with the team itself, they needed an overhaul because after their appearance in the Super Bowl in 12, they've really been downhill, much less, you know, it's 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 all starts at the top, they always said, if you want to kill a snake, cut off its head, and and that's what happened with the Colin Kaepernick situation, and, you know, it, it just spiraled out of control there in San Fran, so I think if you're in a dynasty league, a Dante Pettis is, is an appealing prospect, he wasn't available for the full I, I, I do this, one of these metrics that I do, this this thing, it's called the Adjusted Explosive Index. You and I have talked about it. Yeah. He wasn't available. He, I didn't have a 40 time for him or, or a vertical or a broad jump. So his, his scores were inconclusive, but his explosiveness and what he's been able to do in his college career should translate well. Check your league scoring. If you get points for return yards, He's a candidate for that, along with the new uh, defensive back, D.J. Reed. But I think if you want to steal a receiver, a guy you may steal late is a, is a Marquise Goodwin. I think he's going to be around later on in your draft. I can't speak for a Trent Taylor. He hasn't done anything in his years so far to impress me. I, I All these other guys are just has-beens right now until they do something on the field. But I think there's value in Goodwin. I think Pettis is a steal for a dynasty league. Yeah, you know, I, I think I think Pettis is somebody to kind of pay attention to because I think he may be overlooked. So, you know, he's definitely someone, when you're drafted in the second round, there's expectation there. And, you know, Trent Taylor, I, I don't I don't see him as locking in his spot. And, and, you know, Pierre Garçon, he doesn't do too bad. Marquise Goodwin, he's not bad. I mean, these are guys that 
I would look to as I'm trying to build the depth of my roster for fantasy football. Maybe I need a third guy or a fourth guy or a low-end two guy. I look to Garcon or Goodwin because they have Jimmy Garoppolo. But Dante Pettis, he's not a bad bet to get late in your draft because people may forget about him. As far as tight ends go, George Kittle, Garrett Selleck, Cole Hicatini, love that name, out of Louisville, Cole Wick and Malcolm Johnson. What are your thoughts on the receiver on the uh, tight ends here? I would venture to say that Jimmy G is going to look to somebody. Are you thinking that it's it's George Kittle or Bust at this point? Yeah, I, I like Garrett Selleck being on a team. I think that's done well to help George Kittle come along. I think George Kittle is still the guy. I think he's still proving himself. He was my dark horse guy. I did a blog piece on him and a couple other guys preseason last year, and sure enough, that came to fruition. Now, if you're in a dynasty league, he's definitely a guy you want to pay attention to. But even if you're not in a dynasty league, there's some value there with George Kittle. Not that many people are even aware of who he is. This is one of those benefits where that East Coast bias, because not a lot of people stay up or not a lot of people follow West Coast games. It's just the way it is. It's just the math, but... You know, at the same time, you might find value here. He might prove to be a tremendous tight end, too, who can overcome your tight end one by the end of the year. So look for Garoppolo and that security blanket in the tight end. Don't forget, young quarterbacks like that outlet. They like that guy that they can find. They like that guy that they can trust, a sure-handed guy who's going to be close to them because the shortest distance between two lines between two points is a straight line. And when that straight line is a lot shorter than all the other straight lines, and he's sure-handed, and he's probably going to be open, that's the guy I'm looking for as a young quarterback. So look for Garoppolo and Kittle a bunch. Look for him to be a red zone threat as well. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing for me is, as I agree with you, I think that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to use his tight end. Some quarterbacks don't in the passing game. I think that Kittle will be used, and maybe even Selleck. So these are guys to look at. They're not your number one guy, but they could become that as the season goes on, so don't forget about them as we push through this fantasy season. We'll take a step aside for a wonderful, wonderful fast break, and we'll come back to bring to you what is coming on next, which is the Los Angeles Rams and Arizona Cardinals as we dis- as we pick through and find what we think would be best for you, what you should stay away from, and what's kind of on the fence as we help you plan out your fantasy football team for the fantasy football draft. I hope you have your pen and pad ready and that you've been writing this down. Arizona and Los Angeles Rams coming up right after this. This is a wake-up call fast break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat Family-Friendly Sports Pub and Restaurant. 
Consistency is, well, consistently hard to find. Unless you head to 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, the home of the Penn and Trophy Center, who has been serving us Central and Upstate New Yorkers, as well as beyond, for decades. The Penn and Trophy Center on 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, gives you an amazing and unique way to customize a memory today. Say it with the Penn and Trophy Center. Be it an Employee of the Month award, a sports award, something for your business, engraving for your family, your loved ones, anniversaries, birthday parties, and so much more, including remembering somebody who served in the military. Say it with the Penn and Trophy Center. 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York. The definition of consistency is Penn and Trophy. Browse their products on penandtrophy.com. That's penandtrophy.com. And call them for more information at 315-422-8797. That's 315-422-8797. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. I'm hanging out with this guy that they refer to as Mike Sofka. Hall of Fame fantasyfootball.com is how you find him, and he will help you with your fantasy league. He will help you with your team. He will help you set things up, get you in a good position to feel good about what you're drafting and where you're going and and everything that is to come. So if you want to go to somebody that you can that you can trust in this crazy world, then go to Hall of Fame fantasyfootball.com and utilize the services of Mr. Mike Sofka. And we appreciate Mike being here with uh, with us every Thursday in the second hour of the show, the Fantasy Football Power Hour, proudly presented by the Wildcat Sports Pub. Penn and Trophy Center makes our trophies for our Florida League and all of our Central New York leagues. If you'd like to join us, we have minimal seats left. FantasyFootballDT at gmail.com. That's fantasyfootball, D is in Dan, T is in Tortora at gmail.com. Doesn't get easier than that. Sign up right now. If you were playing in the league last year and you haven't responded to us already, somebody could be snatching up your spot. So, you know, I'm not going to say hide your kids, hide your wife, but Mike knows that. And uh, and so I will just tell you to, to get on it right now. Mike, we should do something that goes viral. We got to come up with something crazy to say. I'm, I'm sure I've said some crazy things in the past. I'll just have to go back and listen to some tape. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to we'll have to find something that we came up with beforehand. So we're we're here to the Los Angeles Rams. And speaking of being crazy beforehand, but not so much right now, that is the Rams. The post Jeff Fisher era, the post era of of the guy that used to be the man that knew how to bring you to a Super Bowl and move you forward. You know, Jeff Fisher not there anymore, and Sean McVay, who I think is one year older than me, has been killing it, at least in the short term here. He hasn't been there for a very long time, but he's done well so far with what he's had, and he had virtually the same amount of talent. Then Los Angeles decided to go out and spend some money. I guess when they moved from St. Louis to L.A., the bank got bigger, and they were able to utilize that account. They had a checking and a savings, and I guess they both went through because they were able, you know, we look at Endomic and Sue and Aaron Donald on the same team. We're looking at Marcus Peters, LaMarcus Joyner, Aqib Tlaib all hanging out together in the secondary, plus the fact that they 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 kind of condensed that receiver core. You know, they and I think that that's where the money came from, is that they said, you know, we don't need 
11 receivers every single season. We don't need five or six running backs. We have Todd Gurley. We have some guys that we like. Let's go out and spend some money. They spent some money on Brandon Cooks. They believe in Robert Woods, who's resurrected his career after not doing a lot in Buffalo. Cooper Cup, he's inconsistent, but when he does good things, he does pretty much some great things out there. So they said, let's let's take some of these spots, these 53-man roster, let's take some of those 53 off of the offensive side and let's throw some of those over to the defensive side and they bolstered up their defense to help them have a nice season because defense wins championships jared goff sean Mannion, and brandon allen thoughts on the quarterback crew of the rams and if jared goff after he finally got to play under sean mcveigh do you think that jared goff's the real deal is the jury still out what do you think about his fantasy value yeah, I think I think he's got a coach now, McVay, that was able to use his youth to his advantage. I mean, you don't know what you don't know sometimes, and and that's not always a bad thing. So, you know, I I think Jared was able to do a lot because of the team's use of Todd Gurley. I think if you look at the stats from the year before, two years ago, Todd Gurley looked like he was unstoppable. The year before last, he was, or I should say, three years ago. And then two years ago, he kind of disappeared. And then last year, he was relevant again. And I think it all came down to the change in the coaching. Fisher was out. You know, you thought that you'd have a better run game with him, but they weren't using Todd Gurley to his – they weren't maximizing what he had to offer. And that's what great coaches do. They take their team and they get the most out of their players. They concentrate on their strengths, they maximize on those strengths, and they try to work on areas of opportunity or areas of development or things we need to work on. And that's what's been working so well with Jared Goff, and he has some talented players around him. He has some speed at receiver, and he has an excellent running attack. He has a coaching staff that gets it, and they have a short-up defense right now, and that's the quarterback's biggest asset that goes underreported is a strong defense for your quarterback. Helps get you out of trouble, and when you put your team in trouble, they bail you out, and you can't put a value on that. Jared Goff is a bottom-end QB1 for me at number 12 this year. Yeah, you know, I, I think I think Jared Goff, I mean, obviously you hit the nail on the head, Mike. You know, you stated, you know, what, what makes Blake Bortles, you know, be able because because they put it all on Blake, you know. There's some people out there that are stupid, and they put it all on Blake. It was always on Blake. It's all Blake's fault. And and when it's good, it's 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 the quarterback. You know, when something's going well, it's because of the quarterback and the head coach. And then when something's going horrible, it's because of the quarterback and the head coach. That's just how they're treated. And when we look at you know the, what what Blake Bortles was able to do with his defense, we look at Jared Goff and say, how can you not be happy with the defense that you have? They went out and spent money, and they got some good people for you, and they helped you out. Like you know, like you said during the fast break, and Dominican Sue and Aaron Donald. Who are you going to double team? Lamarcus Joyner, Marcus Peters, John Johnson, Akeem Talib. I mean, these are guys that are going to make it happen. And John Johnson, don't underestimate him. He's a third round pick in 2017 for Boston College, which has one of the best defenses in the country because they lean on defense more than anything else on their entire team under Steve Adazio. So, and that's what they've done historically. So for me, Jared Goff is is not a bad pickup for you. I think that you can get him 
in, you know, maybe the fourth or fifth round. I I don't think people are going to go heavy on him right off the bat. So I think you can kind of scoop him up after you scoop up your, your first pick at, at quarterback. And then you kind of go from there with it. He's got weapons. He's going to have fun. And because Sean McVay knows how to use Todd Gurley, that opens up the game for Jared Goff. So I like the pick. And I think that if you got Jared Goff on your team, you should feel pretty good about yourself because chances are if you got him as your number two, you did something good with your number one, and you move forward from there. Todd Gurley, Malcolm Brown, Justin Davis, John Kelly. Obviously, we're centering on the first round pick in 2017, 10th overall out of Georgia, and that is Todd Gurley. Thoughts on on the Gurley game and how he has motivated that he has really just kind of motivated fantasy fans to believe in him again after a couple of years ago where he fell off the wagon. It was what's happening with, with Gurley. But like you said, under Jeff Fisher, he disappeared. Sean McVay, all of a sudden he's just as good, if not better. What do you think about Todd Gurley right now? I like Todd Gurley a lot. He He's pretty much one of the top one or two pick, depending on your league and your league scoring system and your level of play. I wouldn't feel bad if Todd Gurley was my RB1. I wouldn't feel bad with my first-round pick wherever I picked picking Todd Gurley because if you get him outside of one or two, it's a tremendous value, whether it's PPR or standard scoring. Malcolm Brown also ran. You would have seen and heard more of Malcolm Brown by now. He hasn't done what he's had the opportunity to do when he's had the opportunity. He is a nice fill-in player and maybe a handcuff. Justin Davis, I got to see something in preseason, if if at all. And then John Kelly, this is a sneaky pick. The guy out of Tennessee, they got him 176th overall. And let me tell you, there's people talking that this is the next Alvin Kamara. Now that's saying a lot. So I got to see that first. I'm not believing it yet, especially with a guy named Todd Gurley in front of him. But look at New Orleans and look what they're able to do. Now, mind you, Mark Ingram is going to be suspended the first four games, but if you look at the New Orleans Saints, look what they were able to accomplish here last year by having that two-headed rushing attack. If they can develop that in Los Angeles with a Todd Gurley and with a John Kelly, look out because the sky's the limit because they're getting some solid quarterback play. Their defense is going to improve if that's even mind, if that's even humanly possible. It's mathematically possible because I see it on paper right now, and I'm just I'm waiting to see this defense. But he also has some other offensive weapons as well. So I think that this is a tremendous opportunity for the running backs. I think Todd Gurley, hands down, can be your RB1 and a sneaky late-round flyer on John Kelly. Yeah, you know, I'm excited about what this is going to be for Todd Gurley. I was so excited a couple years ago to draft him, and I was like, oh, Todd Gurley, he could be a 2,000-yard running back. And then, you know, you didn't put into the equation that Jeff Fisher would forget how to be Jeff Fisher. And something just didn't work out. And that happens. Phil Jackson. Hello, Phil Jackson. Look what he did in L.A. Look what he did with Chicago. He went to the Knicks, and the Knicks are just as bad, if not worse, than they were before. So, Todd Gurley, I like him. I like him under Sean McVay. And like you said, Mike, I mean, he could be the number one pick of the entire fantasy draft that you have. John Kelly, interesting, coming out of Tennessee, sixth round, 2018. One of my good friends was a running back in Tennessee who had many years professionally, Mark Jones, who I met with this morning. So shout out to Mark Jones of Drysig Apparel and Fan Hands and Drysig Lady. Awesome, awesome, awesome guy. John Kelly, yeah, keep your eye on him because Sean McVay is about weapons. Sean McVay is about making it happen. 
He's a young gun who knows what the hell he's doing, and it just goes to show you that age has nothing to do with experience, knowledge, wisdom, and the ability to be successful. So, I'm 32, he's what, 33? Sean McVay, I'm, try- I'm doing good things out here. He's doing good things out there. I like it. East Coast, West Coast, love. Todd Gurley, yes. John Kelly, I'm interested and I'm intrigued by that, Mike. So that's one in a circle. Wide receivers, Brandon Cooks, the Cooks man. Supposed to be the guy in New Orleans, didn't happen. Supposed to be the guy in New England, didn't happen. Now he's in Los Angeles with the Rams in a trade with New England out of Oregon State. So we have Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, who I said resurrected his career coming as a free agent in 2017, and Cooper Cup, who I've had on my team here and there, and he's been somewhat of a disappointment, and sometimes he's saved my behind. Third round pick in 2017 out of Eastern Washington. Thoughts on these, as well as we have Josh Reynolds, Farrell Cooper, and Mike Thomas. Not the one that played for Jacksonville. This is a different Mike Thomas. So what are your thoughts on this receiving core that is now led by Cooks? Woods is still a number two, and Cooper Cup is somewhere within this group of three. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I like Cooper Cup a lot. I think a lot of people jumped on him last year. I like Brandon Cooks a lot. The challenge is... Brandon Cooks is probably going to be facing the number one corner on each team. And Brandon Cooks is going to have some challenges because if you look at their schedule, the first eight games or so, he's going to be facing some of the top cornerbacks in the league right off the bat. So a sneaky play to keep in mind and make a note for yourself. Maybe if you're looking for a receiver, come mid-year, come week six, come week eight, before the trade deadline, and you have an opportunity to score a guy, maybe the owner who drafted Brandon Cooks may be down on him because he's going to be off to a challenging start. Now, with that being said, he's going to go out there and light it up, of course, to make me sound like, you know, like, I don't know. But, you know, Brandon Cooks is a worthy wide receiver one on any team. I think he's got a lot of potential. But because of that tough scheduling, I got him graded down to a wide receiver two. Because half the year, if you're facing the top eight or nine, ten guys in the league, you know, you're going to have your work cut out for you. Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are both solid wide receiver threes for me. These, you know, Brandon Cooks is a wide receiver two, but these guys are both solid wide receiver threes. You don't know which one of them is going to show up, but they could probably both show up, especially if Brandon Cooks is getting smothered. So look for that connection. Look for the golf cup. Look for golf to Woods. Woods resurrected himself. Cup exploded on the scene. So this is a tremendous wide receiving core that they have. They have a tremendous running back situation and a pretty good thing going at quarterback right now as well. So if you're in your league, though, that rewards return yards, don't underestimate Farrell Cooper. Farrell Cooper lightning fast, and he does rack up the return yards. Yeah, so, I mean, and Farrell Cooper is a guy that kind of, you know, that's that's one that struck up a little bit during the season, but you're right. I mean, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, you don't know what you're going to get, but if I had to choose, I would try and get at least one of these guys on my team. I mean, you got to be careful. You don't want to take everybody from one team because you have your weeks where you're going to have a bye week, but I like Cooper Cup or Robert Woods. Cooper Cup is a guy that I've drafted before. Like I said, I put him on my team before. I know he's young in the game, but I like him. I like what Cooper Cup can do. So he's someone I look to. Robert Woods, I'm intrigued by. Brandon Cooks, I'm interested. I'm I'm interested. I would lean more on taking Woods and Cup and making them my three 
than I than I necessarily would on Cooks because you don't know if he's going to fit. I mean, he's had some trouble in recent time here, and, he, and he's never really fit. He wasn't the guy in New Orleans, and he wasn't the guy in New England either. Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett, or Tameric Hemingway. Thoughts on the tight ends of the Rams? I would I would imagine that Higby, who was drafted in 2016, would be the guy. Yeah, I'm going to pass, Alex. <laughs> what is, I don't care. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, Tyler Higby is probably the guy. Gerald Everett has more experience. But, you know, I, I just don't see anything that would say draft one of these guys. Maybe if they start to surprise us or look look like you have a connection, you have an injury or something happens, maybe as a desperation flyer. But yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not impressed by either one of these guys. Yeah, I think uh, I think I'm with you on that. What did Johnny say here? He said, "Can I draft the whole team?" The question is, what round do you decide to pull the trigger on a defense like the Rams this year with all of those Pro Bowl players? So, you know, this is a good question to bring up before we go into our final team, Mike. I'll give my answer after you give yours. When is a good time? Because my answer, I mean, I, I have, I don't think it's as simple as just saying it, but I'm going to throw it to you the way that it was posed to us. When is the right time to pull the trigger on drafting a defense in fantasy? Late. And when you think you're, when you think you're late, stop and check and make sure you're late enough. You know, it is ridiculous. There, unless you're in a un you know, just some weird exotic scoring system with defense and defensive rewards and return yards and things of that nature, you know, just wait, you know, and I'm giving away a lot of strategy here, but there's a lot of people start taking defenses in the seventh round and all this, you know, let's say I would, I would even venture to say, wait till your last two, three picks if you can. And your last pick should definitely be your kicker. If you're playing with a kicker, look, the bottom line is this, you look around your league, you're Probably most leagues are probably 10 to 12 teams. There's 32 teams. If you can get one of the top 10 defenses, you're on the same page as everybody else. Why pay for that in the middle of the seventh or the middle of the draft when you can get a top 10 defense? You may not get the statistical number one on paper defense going into the going into the season. But you'd be surprised if you do your research. You can snake a defense that no one's thinking about or talking about. And I'm sure we're going to talk about defense one show here real soon. But the bottom line is still the bottom line. Don't overpay. Don't pay for something that you can get a lot later. Get your position players unless you have some sort of really exotic scoring system. And if you do, you can reach out to me and I'll give you a customized draft sheet for that as well but yeah don't don't overdraft your defense you know and I feel the same way about this because when it's like the it's like tight end you know there's certain tight ends there's only a few a handful maybe maybe six something like that but typically a handful that are gonna that are gonna give you the type of numbers of drafting them early and I don't even lean on Rob Gronkowski like like maybe I would have in the past so for me for my thought process in this whole grand scheme of things, I'm in agreement with Mike. Mike and I met each other early in the fantasy game, okay, for me. I had been doing it for a long time. Mike and I got to He had been done. But I, I mean, early in this game of, of, of being the people that aren't just playing fantasy but giving you advice and whatnot, 
Years and years and years ago, Mike and I met each other, and we laughed at the fact that someone would draft a kicker before the last round or last two rounds. That someone would draft a defense before the last round or the last two rounds. But inevitably, sometime during my fantasy drafts at the Wildcat Sports Pub in in, uh, Camillus, New York on 3680 Milton Avenue, somebody will take a defense in the fifth round, someone will take a kicker in the eighth or ninth round, and I think it's ridiculous because your kicker maybe one time will go insane your defense maybe a couple times will go insane maybe they'll save your butt but ultimately these are not your top scoring positions these are not the people that you're going to rely on to make it happen your defense is not going to score a touchdown every game your defense is not going to intercept the ball every game your defense is not going to sack the quarterback every game unless you're jacksonville when we talk about saxonville but Outside of that, your kicker, he might get you three. He might get you one. He might get you 15. But the days of him getting you 30 are slim to never. So I don't get it. I'm happy that Mike doesn't get it because I sit in drafts sometimes and I shake my head because I will watch somebody say, well, Bob took a defense, so now I got to take a defense. And then the ninth round is five defenses in a row until somebody with a brain goes, uh, you just left half the wide receivers out there. The number one, two tight end are still out there. There's still good running backs out there. So then they just start grabbing people. And then, you know, I mean, it's the same thing with tight end. If I looked at a draft board and I pulled them up from the last couple of years, someone will take a tight end and then it's tight end, tight end, tight end, tight end. And then someone goes, oh, I'm going to take the first defense if everybody's doing first right now. And then it's tight end, tight end. And then somebody gets their senses and takes an actual position that's going to be consistently good for you more often than other ones will be. So Mike and I answered the same way, Johnny. We hope that we answered your question. The answer is don't do it. We'll take a step aside for our final fast break of the show. When we roll back here, we'll bring in you the Arizona Cardinals in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Consistency is, well, consistently hard to find. Unless you head to 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, the home of the Penn and Trophy Center, who has been serving us Central and Upstate New Yorkers, as well as beyond, for decades. The Penn and Trophy Center on 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, gives you an amazing and unique way to customize a memory today. Say it with the Penn and Trophy Center. Be it an Employee of the Month award, a sports award, 
something for your business, engraving for your family, your loved ones, anniversaries, birthday parties, and so much more, including remembering somebody who served in the military. Say it with the Pendant Trophy Center. 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York. The definition of consistency is pen and trophy. Browse their products on penandtrophy.com. That's penandtrophy.com. And call them for more information at 315-422-8797. That's 315-422-8797. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop. And on mixlr.com backslash wake up call. DT, I'm hanging out with the guy that they refer to as Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame Fantasy Football.com. We are inside of the Fantasy Football Power Hour that is stretched outside of the hour. We're giving you some extra bonus coverage. We're in overtime right now. Somebody tell Donovan McNabb the rules. We're happy to be here with you and hanging out inside of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Proudly brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub, which brings you all of our Central New York Fantasy Football Leagues inside of the Wake Up Call Fantasy Football Challenge. If you have not signed up, send an email right now to fantasyfootballdt at gmail.com. Final team for the NFC West today, Mike, Arizona Cardinals. I saved them to last because I got some thoughts on this one that went a little bit deeper than just your typical analysis. Sam Bradford, Mike Glennon, Josh Rosen. Mike Glennon's still playing the damn game. How about this? And Sam Bradford, he's... Maybe not ever played a a full season, but he's still in the things, and he is back in the NFC West, and Josh Rosen is a rookie that was taken 10th overall. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I wouldn't be real excited about Sam Bradford, Josh Rosen, or Mike Lennon, and let me just tell you why. I think Josh Rosen has tremendous upside, and I think that if you're in a dynasty league and you can pick him up late and not worry about whether he plays this year or not, by all means, but somebody's going to overdraft this guy if you're in that situation. I don't know if Josh Rosen is draftable in a regular standard or peep, you know any any type of normal fantasy situation that's not dynasty or keeper. I don't think Sam Bradford is either. I think Sam Bradford's really fragile, and I don't think Mike Glennon's going to see the field. I think the bottom line is is. The upside that Rosen has with the team they have around him, with the potential they have at running back with a David Johnson, and the key parts they brought in, such as a Christian Kirk, who's obviously going to overtake the old man and Larry Fitzgerald here in the next year or two. I think they've done everything they can do to try to build the team around him, him being the quarterback in question, whoever that is. And right now, even though it looks like it's going to be Sam Bradford, it's probably going to be Josh Rosen. I think they're just going to put all their eggs in the basket and just go. I think they have some veteran presence on the team. I think they're trying to beef up the offensive line with some moves they made in the draft as well. But I just got to say, he's a young quarterback, Josh Rosen. Even Peyton Manning, who's considered to be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, struggled and threw a ton of interceptions his first year. It's going to happen. Don't count on him. If you can pick him up and steal him as your QB2, and then maybe he shines and surprises everybody, well, God bless you. You got a great guy. But I wouldn't draft either one of these quarterbacks. You know, for me, I I think when we have a team quarterback like we do inside of the Wake Up Call Fantasy Football Challenge, it's not a bad one to have because there is a chance, uh, a relatively good chance, in my opinion, that Josh Rosen will play at some point 
this year. And, you know, Sam Bradford's good for a game or two. So I'm not against this as a team quarterback. It's not my number one, but it's a thought. And, and what I wanted to bring up the deeper look at this is that Josh Rosen has been put on this team. Christian Kirk has been put on this team. Larry Fitzgerald's not going to be around forever. But Larry has stuck around, I think, longer than he, you know, even, I think I think he's on borrowed time in the sense of, not for him, I think he's great, I think he plays well. I say borrowed time in the sense of, I think that the Arizona Cardinals had more than enough time to enjoy him, and he keeps blessing them by coming back again. Now, he has time to build up Christian Kirk. Do you see the beginnings of the lock and key Josh Rosen, Christian Kirk fantasy development? Because I think that in the underlying and underworkings of the Arizona Cardinals, Josh Rosen and Christian Kirk could be a nice one-two punch in fantasy. Maybe not necessarily this year, but in keeper leagues and in the future, I think that the Rosen to Kirk could be a nice little lock and key, as I would like to call it. I think that's what they're hoping for. I think that's why you know they picked Rosen 10 overall and picked Kirk 47 overall. I think that's the idea I think they're planning for the future, but you know, a lot has to happen. A lot of times guys don't pan out, even though, you know, they look like a shoe in, even though they, oh, this guy's a definite ringer. And then all of a sudden something happens, injuries happen, other things happen, you know, outside, off field distractions, et cetera. So you just never know. And it does take a good three years for most wide receivers to develop in the NFL it usually takes about that same time for quarterbacks. However, I will say Josh Rosen did appear to be the most pro-ready quarterback, the best pure pocket passer that was in the draft. And that says a lot because there were some big-name quarterbacks that went, you know, even before him. So I think that the bottom line is still the same. If you're in a keeper dynasty league, yeah, those are great. Those are great luxuries to have. If they go off this year, you're in a great position. But just wait. Be patient with those guys and understand what you're getting. I think there's some question marks in other places on the team. I'm sure we're going to get to that in a minute. But I think the Kirk to Rosen is definitely what Arizona had in mind in the next two to three years. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just something that I wanted to make note of here and, and get your thoughts on it as we're looking to the future. You know, I think, I think Jared Goff, for me, or that team quarterback in LA, you take that over Arizona. I, you know, there, there's, there's others that are out there. You know, I take Jacksonville over Arizona. There's some things that I would take above Arizona right now. They kind, to me, they're kind of like the third string on your roster if you want to fill a spot with a third quarterback. David Johnson, Elijah Penny, and Elijah Penny, undrafted free agent out of Idaho, 2016. Chase Edmonds. If it was drafted in the fourth round out of Fordham. So, and that's the thing that I love about the NFL. Fourth round draft pick out of Fordham. Nice school here in the state of New York. Sent me a nice letter when I was looking at colleges to go to. Chase Edmonds out of Fordham. Got a job drafted in the fourth round. Very nice. DJ Foster was a practice squad guy last year. TJ Logan drafted in the fifth round 2017. So that's what we have for the Arizona Cardinals. Obviously, the return of J- David Johnson is what everybody's looking for. But behind David Johnson, Elijah Penny and Chase Evans, these are these are different faces. This is not what the backups were. This is not a Chris Johnson's coming out of retirement. It's it's not it's not one of those things anymore. It's not these guys that kind of did okay sometimes. 
there's these there's new faces. But if you're an Arizona fan, they're hoping that they don't even have to ever go to those faces and have them run the ball. What are your thoughts on the return of David Johnson? Yeah, I, I got to see something first. I mean, pretend I'm from Missouri. You need to show me. I'm not convinced that that hand, that wrist is 100% yet. You know, when you're a running back or a receiver or a lineman or just about any skill position in any sport, you need your hands. Your strength comes in your fingers and your wrist. Some of the smallest areas of muscle development, but if you're coordinated, have good hand-eye coordination, and you're able to be quick. I didn't say speed. I said quickness. So there's there's some challenges. You have to catch the ball. David Johnson is a guy who catches the ball out of the backfield. David Johnson's a guy they want to get him the ball in space. David Johnson's a guy they want to get him frequent touches and keep him involved in the game. I'm not convinced he's 100% back yet, and I need to see that. After David Johnson, here's the deficiency in the team. What do they have? They don't have that one solid guy. Now, if I was sold on David Johnson being 100%, he would be arguably one of the top backs. He is one of the top backs, but he would be that much better. He's in the conversation with Gurley, Elliott, and Bell, and Kamara, and Fournette, and Saquon Barkley. But he needs to show me something. Now, I'm still confident he's going to be able to be well. I'm I'm confident that he's going to have a tremendous season. I'm confident he's going to run for a lot of yards and catch the ball for a lot of yards and be right up there in the top five running backs. But if I have a choice between him and one of those other top guys, I'm going with one of the other top guys. And I don't know which guy to handcuff him with if I'm going to handcuff. I'm probably looking away from this whole situation here. You got to think that there's something to the Chase Edmonds thing at a Fordham. Like Deion Sanders used to say, if you ball, you're going to get the call. They will find you in the NFL if you can play. And Chase Edmonds apparently can play. But again, I need to see that on this level. Elijah Penny, DJ Foster, those are guys who may get the call at some point, especially if Johnson goes down or he's not 100% back. And these are guys you're going to get to see a lot of in the preseason because I think they're going to be very careful with David Johnson on his way back. Yeah, so I'm with you. I'm with you, man. I think I think he does have to show me something. He's not my number one pick, that's for sure. And I finally got him last year. And look what he did to me. And I got Todd Gurley, and look what he did to me. And I got Adrian Peterson, and look what he did to his family. So I think what I've realized is that I shouldn't have the number one pick. I should have the number two pick or the number three pick. Because when I have the number one pick and I go out and get these guys, something friggin' crazy. I, and I said that. I was like, it would make sense that Adrian Peterson would beat his child the year that I drafted him because he wasn't injured. There was nothing wrong with Adrian Peterson except for the fact that he does some questionable things to his child. So it's, you know, it's just, it's, uh, man, I drafted Bam Morris when, and this is the funny thing about Bam Morris. He played for the Steelers, played for, and he played for the Chiefs. Bam Morris was in and out of jail. So I didn't have like, on my roster when I was playing fantasy as a kid, I wasn't concerned, like, is Bam Morris healthy or not? Is Bam Morris getting the touches or not? It was what week was Bam Morris out of jail? Because he would be out week two, back by week four. Out in week eight, back in week 15. So that I've had a very adventurous road, but I've learned that if I have the number one pick, I should trade it. I should trade it for two picks. That's what I should do inside of my draft. So David Johnson... Ugh, man, I do have to see something. I mean, obviously, you don't want to let him go to somebody else, but 
If I if I do have the number one or number two pick, I'm looking at Fournette. I'm looking at Gurley. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys that I can lean on, you know, Saquon and whatnot, before I go to David Johnson because you're right, you need your hands. And there's something about the fact that you know David Johnson. It took a very long time, and so they may you know they might have just been extra extra careful because guys rush back like Julio Jones and get hurt every year. So I hope David Johnson's okay, but. He's not my number one pick. Wait, for the wide receivers, Larry Fitzgerald, J.J. Nelson, Christian Kirk, Bryce Butler, Chad Williams, Greg Little, Little Car- Carlton Agudosi, and Rashad Ross. Well, J.J. Nelson's been there. Fitz has been there forever since 2004. Christian Kirk, drafted in the second round, 47th overall. Bryce Butler, a free agent from the Cowboys. Chad Williams, drafted last year out of Grambling State. Greg Little, a free agent from Buffalo, who also played for the Cleveland Browns. Thoughts on the receivers of Arizona? Yeah, it's simple. The only name you need to worry about is Larry Fitzgerald. He's the number 15 receiver on my list, so he's a a top-end wide receiver, too, for you. You know, Christian Kirk's going to be a great guy. Maybe he explodes on the scene this year. Maybe he makes that happen. But mathematically, and odds say that that's not going to happen yet. If you're in a dynasty league or something, great, stash him. And if he does develop early, you're in a good position. J.J. Nelson, he's on and on, hot, off, hot, hot, cold, hot, cold, on, off, on, off, injured, not injured. I can't keep up with this guy. And I'm just not sold on any other name here until I see something. So Larry Fitzgerald, great. The old man's still getting it done. He's still going to be able to get it done. He's still the number one target. So that's going to bode well for you. But remember, he's not a number one across the board to fantasy. He's a wide receiver, too, for you. Yeah, for me, I mean, obviously Fitz is the guy that you want to look to. And and it's funny because in recent years I've seen Fitz drop in the drafts that I've been in. I've seen people kind of just let him go, and that's fine with me. Christian Kirk, I might take a flyer on him at some point in the draft but I because I just got a good feeling about him as a, as a potential sleeper. So, you know, but, you know, Larry Fitz, I do agree with you. He is the man. Quickly to the tight ends, Jermaine Gresham. Ricky Seals-Jones, Gabe Holmes, Bryce Williams, Boo Sandlin. What are your thoughts on this? I don't have any. <laughs> I, I mean, I just, I'm just honest. I, 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 nothing here excites me. Uh, Ricky Seals-Jones looks like he might get the most of the opportunity. Jermaine Gresham's been around. He would have done a lot more by now. Uh, if Rosen gets the call, you know, there might be more opportunity for these guys at tight end because of the youth at the quarterback. But... Yeah, I, I can't get excited about any of these guys. Don't draft any of them. Yeah, it's funny how the NFC West has become the next question, please, when it comes to the tight end position. So Mike and I, but you know, we're being honest with you. We're not just gonna, we're not just gonna tell you, oh well, this guy's this and this guy's that. They're not worth drafting. It's plain and simple like that. Like I told you, there is a very small list of tight ends that are worth going to get. So, and if people do a a crazy run on tight ends and you're left with Ricky Seals-Jones, but you can get three awesome running backs, it's okay. When people see a run on a position, they go crazy. So, you know, there's a certain amount, a certain percentage of the room that goes nuts and they run after that position. I am willing to have the 14th best tight end if I have three of the top 30 running backs. So just remember that. Think about what position matters most to you. Think about the players that you're going after. And if you're going to lose out on tight end, you're going to live another day. 
because sometimes they get you a point. But running backs, they're going to get handed the ball. It's not guaranteeing that a tight end is going to be looked at in the red zone every week. With that being said, every week we do have Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com and myself, Dan Satora, here with you for the Fantasy Football Power Hour that sometimes spills over. Proudly brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub. Mike, as always, I appreciate you, and I love the fact that we had our first week of no comment. It's very nice. <laughs> I, you know, I would elaborate on that, but I'm not going to comment. <laughs> it's all good. I'll t- <laughs> I'll talk. I like how you took it and then took it a step further. So I, I appreciate that very much, and I look forward to talking with you very soon. All right, thanks, Dan. Talk to you next time. All right, take care.